John Newton, in his hymn, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, wrote, Jesus, my shepherd, husband, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end. Two of those titles combine to form the subject of our study here on Search for Truth, your 50-minute programme of Bible teaching and hymn singing. The titles are Priest and King, or King Priest, to be more precise. And this is to continue Brian's talks on finding pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And this time, that's right, we focus on the King Priest. So we'll be looking into the Old Testament as usual, and now we join Brian. Thanks, John. In the Old Testament, King David admitted that the Messiah would be a greater king than he'd ever been. Our Lord Jesus picked up on this very point when he was in debate with the Pharisees in Matthew 22. He said, if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Clearly, David understood he'd have a descendant who would be greater than him, and so he described him as Lord. What's doubly interesting, not to mention intriguing, is that David in that same psalm, which is Psalm 110, also describes the Messiah as a priest belonging to the priestly order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is a figure shrouded in some mystery, but we'll come back to that later. For now, it's enough to note that historically in Israel, outside of Melchizedek at least, these two distinct offices of king and priest couldn't be held by the same person. For kings came from the tribe of Judah, whereas priests, at least those after the pattern of Aaron, came from the tribe of Levi. What we're saying is this, that to Jewish ears, this psalm must have sounded perplexing, unless they fully picked up on the use of Melchizedek as role model for Messiah's priesthood, it would have been somewhat mystifying at least. Until, that is, the writer of the New Testament letter to the Hebrews solved the mystery. He did this by proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, someone greater than David, but belonging to David's royal line of human descent, while also being an eternal priest. Jesus as a priest forever is a major point of teaching in the Bible letter to the Hebrews. This had never been true of a priest in Aaron's family, as they all served and then died, of course, and so the office of priesthood passed down through the generations. But Melchizedek's death isn't recorded in the Bible. Come to think of it, neither is his birth. I'm guessing that when Jesus had conversation with those two dejected disciples heading towards Emmaus on his resurrection day, he outlined something of the 110th Psalm. I'm basing that on the fact that there are 27 quotes or allusions to it in the New Testament, and that's the most of any portion of the Old Testament quoted in the New. That could be because it holds the key to understanding Jesus as the Messiah. In fact, one Bible commentator tells us, precisely because he is both king and priest, the figure of Melchizedek turns out to be one of the most instructive figures in the entire Bible for helping us put our Bibles together. Melchizedek is one of the most significant pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. He prefigures Jesus, that is, he points forward to Jesus as our high priest and king. Back in the time of Genesis, Melchizedek was the priest of the true God and king of Salem. Salem 
seems certain to have been the city later called Jerusalem. In Genesis chapter 14, we read that Abraham and his allies defeated a group of kings who'd seized Abraham's nephew, Lot. Then we read, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him, that's Abraham. Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has handed over your enemies to you. And he gave him a tenth of everything. We next encounter Melchizedek in Psalm 110. David wrote there, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That's verse 4 of Psalm 110. In the New Testament, the only passages that relate to Melchizedek are found in the letter to the Hebrews. The writer there tells us, So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you, just as he also says in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What distinguishes Jesus as the supreme ruler is the fact that he's a king priest. While these two offices operated separately in ancient Israel, in Messiah Jesus, these two offices of authority converge. This is what was revealed to David in Psalm 110. First, that the Messiah is the supreme king, verse 1, and second, that the Messiah is the supreme priest, verse 4. Let's take Messiah Jesus as the supreme king first. Four elements of the first oracle or first decree expand on this. First, when David referred to the Messiah as my Lord, David professed that the Messiah was greater than he was. Second, we're still staying with Psalm 110, Yahweh, the Lord, exalts the Messiah when Yahweh declares to him, sit at my right hand. To sit at the right hand of Yahweh meant to experience the honour, power and intimacy with God that neither David nor any other king would ever experience. Peter argued this in Acts chapter 2 when he said, For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Third, Yahweh promises absolute authority to the Messiah. This is reinforced in verse 2 of Psalm 110 with the remark, The Lord will stretch out your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Fourth, the psalm, Psalm 110, describes the Messiah as a global conqueror. The statement, I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet, is unique in the Old Testament. To make a footstool of an enemy meant to show absolute victory over them. When Joshua conquered his enemies, he told the Israelite leaders to place their feet on the necks of their enemy kings. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul tells us the last enemy is death. When death is no more, everything then will be under Messiah's feet. The full effects of the gospel will be seen. In summary then, these four things, Jesus is greater than David. Two, 
He's at God's right hand. Three, he has absolute authority to rule. And four, he conquers until all his enemies are under his feet. These four things describe the Messiah Jesus as the supreme king. So that's the first oracle or decree that we find in Psalm 110. It occupies the first three verses. Now we come to verse four. Here we find the second decree. The second decree that God reveals to David in Psalm 110, starting at verse four, is that in addition to being the supreme king, the Messiah is also the supreme priest. This is expanded upon in two particulars. First, the Messiah is an eternal priest, not a temporary priest. The function of the Israelite priest was to mediate between God and the people throughout his life. When the priest died, he was succeeded by his son. And so it went on, generation after generation. However, while every typical Israelite priest did indeed die, the Messiah would overcome death. Consequently, he would function as a priest forever. Psalm 110, in fact, demonstrates this by analogy, comparing the Messiah to Melchizedek. Because the Old Testament presents Melchizedek specifically and solely as a king-priest, providing neither his genealogy that preceded him nor his genealogy that followed him, the lasting impression we get from this is an impression of Melchizedek remaining as a priest. However, with Jesus Christ, it's reality, not merely an impression. Second, the Messiah is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, not a priest from the line of Levi through the priesthood of Aaron. All the priests who inherited the priesthood through Levi and Aaron were appointed to the priesthood by their human birth. The Messiah, however, is appointed to the priesthood directly by God. Psalm 110 verse 4 explicitly states, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Messiah is installed into priesthood by an oath of God, not by human heritage. God transcends the Levitical lineage, the one that's marked by generational death, and replaces the priests of Aaron with the Messiah, who alone would serve as a priest forever. This is why Hebrews 7 states that the Messiah is able to save forever those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The Messiah, Jesus, is able to lead us through every trial and temptation to unending victory. Now, putting those two points together, we see that Jesus is an eternal priest, not appointed by human heritage, but by God's oath. And so, in addition to the first decree, that the Messiah is the supreme king. The second decree declares that the Messiah is also the ultimate priest. This could only be possible if God were to institute another covenant, a new covenant. And this is what Hebrews indicates, that the priesthood of the Messiah belonged to a better covenant. In the new covenant, therefore, the Messiah Jesus would be able to be both a priest and a king. Both of these functions, king and priest, are fulfilled in our supreme king-priest, Jesus. Psalm 110 relates to the millennial kingdom, the future rule by Jesus as king over this earth, when his second advent fully arrives. Yahweh sends out the rod of his strength with which to rule the nations, ruling in the midst of enemies. We don't see this yet, but this will happen 
in the millennial day of his power when his people are willing. Are you willing even now to acknowledge Jesus as King and your High Priest? As usual, I remind you of the advantage of getting the transcript book of all the talks in this series. It's available online and either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can request a hard copy book by asking for the title Christ in the Old Testament. Don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And did you know that by going to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can actually download the programmes onto your own device for re-listening, perhaps in your car as you travel. So time's almost gone for today. I hope you're enjoying these studies and finding them helpful. And once again, many thanks for the pleasure of your company. I look forward to your company again next week, but because it'll be Christmas, Brian is giving us a special talk in keeping with the season. It's called Any Room for Jesus? So, until next time, it's goodbye and very best wishes for a very happy Christmas from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. <laughs>